healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and those are very weird words to say because we didn't really think we'd end up back down here. But as fate would have it, expedient uh, homeowners and... Um, less expedient job searchers that we are. Uh, we are still here in Washington, D.C., and I am currently sitting behind my desk in the basement looking at the couch and the table and the chairs and the piano, and everything is dry. And then for, for now, this sacred space is a little... Um, we've got a little time left. It's a little... Maybe it's a little gift for all the magic that's happened down here. I don't know. But but we'll take it. We will take it. Um, we uh, we got knocked out in a little bit and certainly did not uh, slow down too much. We uh, we didn't take a break, but did lose a little momentum and and as a result, there were a few albums this year that we didn't quite get to as this year winds down. We really wanted to, and what we're going to be talking about today is the album uh, Skiff by the Skiffle Players. Now, the Skiffle Players, you can hear Ed and I talking about this, and, and we're going to give a more in detail background. But all you really need to know is that they are one of my favorite bands. And uh, 400 uh, episodes of this thing, I, I think um, you, you either you either at least trust my music taste a little, or you you are really just hate listening, which I'll take either. I'll take either. So so they put out a new album. Um, we're going to talk about that. It's kind of thrilling to talk about that because I did uh, off my talk to Neil Casal about this album a little bit when he was here for our Dead to Me podcast. So um, it's a good way to come back into our album reviews uh, and, and right before that we're going to talk about the Beatles they reissued the White Album or or somebody did Super Deluxe uh, Remastered by Charles Martin George Martin's son uh, and uh, so we got some little thoughts about that and in the back end of this we're going to talk about a, uh, a really groovy band in San Francisco named Quiet Water and I'll tell you more about that and play a little track for you so that is what our podcast is uh, if that is amenable to you guys, and if you have your snacks ready, you have your drinks, your beverages, maybe you're hanging out with your puppy, your dog, uh, your friend, your lady, your man, your cat, whatever. Uh, point is that you be comfortable as we sort of ease into this and uh, and kick things off. Back down in the basement with our good friend Eduardo. Um, and we're going to start off with talking about the Beatles. You know them, you love them, but you ain't never heard them like this. Let's head on down. It's what, like like Rocky Five works as drama. I think and, it does. And 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 Rocky Balboa has a few good stretches in it. Like it's it's yeah. by and large not a good movie, but but um but, but for the about, for the sake of the character, their, their movies about um about training montages. Yeah, <laughs> I mean uh, chasing chickens, chasing chickens, uh, running a lot. Yeah, running and a lot. Uh, and then philosophizing about what it means to fight in time and how everyone uh-huh. loses time. 
Time is undefeated. It's the all-time greatest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, ready to talk about shit? Let's talk about get, shit. Get one more sip of... This uh, liquid fire. Ah. So this is... This is how... I'm going to eat a pickle on mic now. I'm going to leave it in, too. Yeah. <laughs> this is how... Get that, get that crunch. Mm-hmm. This is how... Um, you make... Uh... Bloody Mary's in Wisconsin. Mm. Where we're going to be soon. I, I am missing. Do you need a high life? Mm. Will that cut the heat? Uh, probably would. Okay, let me, let me get a high life. life. All right. Let's Wisconsin it up. <laughs> Let's badger it up. Man, that's hot. Um, yeah, liquid fire here in these glasses. Hotter than, my, hot, hotter than our takes. Yeah. Hotter than our takes. We got some hot takes coming up, though. Whew. Let me... Uh, white hot Woo! takes <laughs> that's going down yeah the whole podcast is just gonna be us <laughs> just <laughs> like just dealing with the spice sweats <laughs> here <laughs> the pepper sweats no we're gonna talk about skiff finally um because if we didn't we were, i was getting in the podcast because we put off talking about skiff for now uh a month and a half yeah and that is because the basement was totaled and you all listen to you are surprised as I am that we're sitting in the basement right now. It's version, what, 3, 4.0? It, it, it is. It has, like, a, I feel a little bit like a, like I'm in, like, a, a math box. There's, like, a quality of uh, yeah, yeah. with the, the wood. It just feels a little bit like uh, a little bit of tinder would go along. A little gym, <laughs> gym action. Yeah. Like, shoot some hoops. Oh, yeah, make, yeah, yeah. Make some dunks. Yeah, yeah. No, no. This this could be like a jazzercise studio. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but that's, that's a good pull. Um, uh, yeah, so so for the time being, uh, this is this is our, our HQ. I promise when we move, it will be more... Uh, in line with the, you know, the only difference is carpet. Like, like you know, if true, you're going to put this that's... on the walls, that's what it's going to look like in Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, um, want to talk about Skiff and players that put on the album Skiff. Uh, this is the second thing they put out this year. They put out a little EP called, uh, was it Piffle Sayers EP? So. Yeah. That's um, like a little transitional thing. Before we get to that, though, uh, we haven't been able to talk about music for a while. So I want to talk with you about. Uh, sort of the hypest controversy in my mind amongst audiophiles, music fans, music critics, and that is the new uh, Beatles Ultimate or Super Awesome or something mm-hmm. phallogistic edition of the White Album. This came out a couple weeks ago. It's a hundred dollar box set, or you can get like a forty dollar like double LP. <laughs> I drunk ordered it. Oh no! <laughs> and or, then, oh yes! And then woke up in the morning and like undid it. And cancel oh, really? the order. Yeah, because, because uh, uh, and this is sort of what I want to get into, because I just bought the mono album, and uh, and I love, we all grew up with the White Album. I, mean, mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say, mm-hmm. you're listening to this, you grew up with that. Yeah. This is part of your DNA. And um, and I, and technically, I love this mix, um, but, but I started thinking about, like, what, like, do I need, like, multiple versions of this thing sitting on my shelf in a physical physical form media i want to start uh, by playing a little track of this because this is what actually turned me uh to this a little piece of a song that uh is one of my favorite beatles songs and i would actually go as far to say most of my favorite beatles songs are on the white album Mm -hmm. um but uh i'm i'm gonna rely on the listeners now think back to how you know 
this album sounds. What you understand of the white album? Yeah, picture the white album. Picture, picture the, the white album. album picture you know it in your hand because you can yeah. do that. And then uh, and then listen to this new Giles Martin mix of Glass Onion. I'm betting you're thinking to yourself right now that does not sound like the glass onion that I remember, and I, and I think you'd be correct. I don't. Um, we, you know, we wanted to get Casey in here and talk about it. I actually wanted to talk to Chad, our friend mm-hmm. Chad Clark, about this. Uh, and and <laughs> but my text to him was uh, essentially the question that I'm going to pose here. I said, you know, does this feel like necessary? Is it is it really a thing, or is it just more like fan fiction? And his response was just like, I love it. <laughs> so he was not he was not about to engage in this and and, and should be said it Chad does this type of stuff for a living. Yeah. So right. Giles, George, Martin, the Martin family, except for Chris who is not actually part of that Martin family, <laughs> uh is uh, are are his heroes. Yeah. It I think the question of whether it's necessary or fan fiction is is maybe a little bit of a false dichotomy because it's definitely not necessary. Right, like the world needs a new mix of anything by the Beatles the way it does, like a new way to hear Miles Davis's kind of blue, or like it's just not necessary. It's been done. We've gotten everything that we're going to get out of that particular, and we should we should celebrate what we've gotten out of it because it's it's an right. amazing catalog and um and they're amazing recordings. Um, so I can think all that, and then I can also hear it and think, oh wow, this is like engaging. I'm hearing something different, and it's because there's, there's something different in there. Um, well, do you think, or, or the emphasis? Do you, th- do you think of it as you're hearing something different because there's something different in there, or you, you're hearing a completely different thing? I mean, my my general take on anything like this uh, is that I, I don't do remasters. Uh, if it's cleaned up a little, that's fine. But if it, the big deal is that it sounds like a whole different thing, um, you know, that's part of the creative process in the first place. So you can argue, as has been argued with this. That people went into it. Well, the technology was limited, and the things, you know, different things, it's timing and stuff. But the reality is, is yes, the technology was limited, and look at the masterpiece that was created out of it. Yeah, and I, and I don't know um, where I struggle with this, despite despite it being like ridiculously like it's it's like it's audio crack. It's it's buttery. Like, it, it, it is, is it is buttery. just audio crack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that is is that <clears throat> it threatens in many ways to erase the actual work um, because we shouldn't, in my mind, think of this necessarily as the work. So then, then that's how I get to, and I'm still struggling right. with it right now. Like, then what's what's it worth? Is it right. worth a hundred dollar box set? <laughs> well, it, yeah. I mean, I think I think that you know, there's there's a there's definitely a problem with. Um, 
the way in which we honor, um, you know, great, great works and great artists should not like suffocate mm -hmm. today's creative talent, right? It shouldn't be an either or. And when you put out, when you're asking people to spend a hundred dollars on this, I guess your, your target is boomers and older and you're, it's just sort right. of like a nice sort of, uh, last cash grab before those uh, before your fans become not actuarially viable when they still have disposable yeah, yeah, income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't. So I, in terms of future generations, in terms like if I imagine a hypothetical sort of sixteen year old who's never listened to the Beatles and yeah. is going to hear them for the first time here, they're not going to run out and buy the box set anyway. No, but they are going to hear this first on streaming. Yes, and that and that's that's where it becomes problematic. Is they're going to hear it's going to pop up first, like well, if they're treated as separate, maybe, if it, they're treated as separate releases, they are. But those yeah. licenses can go away because right. it's always going to be easier to get the license for this than it is for the original. Okay, I mean, think about it. When you search for stuff, what do you find? You find remastered, you find expanded, the remastered first, yeah. you find like, and everything is up there. And very rarely do you find like, I really just want the unremastered, the original version of Brian Adams' Reckless. And I can't find it because all it is is this forty-five track thing. And look, yeah, no, nobody needs forty-five tracks of Brian Adams. To, to be clear, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so it is getting into um, you know the the marketplace of how we present these things, what what we, uh, you know, what we want them to be. Like, I would prefer something like this be completely left off streaming services. I understand why it's not. Um. Partially because this is a this is a example of stuff when when fidelity does matter. Yeah, if I'm listening to something for the hundredth time, I don't I don't really care, you know. But you're listening to it with different ears than right. than this hypothetical sort of like sure. teenager who, sure, sure, sure. who who doesn't know the Beatles. So, sure. and I think that that I mean I, I you know being really into the Beatles is like not really a challenging thing to be <laughs> yeah right like it's it's basically difficult to be a music fan and not to have like gone through some sort of like beatles super fandom uh phase um but i think a lot of us um so so what i enjoyed about this release is i hadn't listened to the white album in probably yeah eight or nine years mm -hmm. give or take yeah. um and um and it was really nice to have an excuse to go back and like and again, to my like seasoned, very acquainted with the album mm -hmm. ears, listen to it and hear sort of different things or hear things emphasized in a way that I hadn't, uh, that I didn't remember. Mm -hmm. um, and I really enjoyed that. It was sort of like, uh, it was sort of like going back to visit a place that you knew and seeing that like, oh, someone sort of like, there's a new coat of paint and someone's done a few things to it. Yeah. But you could still see the thing that you knew under there. <clears throat> yeah. And I think, um, I think that's because with older albums, stuff that we grew up with, uh, and they can be good or bad, um, but my aforementioned Brian Adams uh, <laughs> statement, <laughs> uh, you know, the, it does create some this sort of synesthesia with how we experience it. So when we listen to the White Album, like we can smell, yeah, you know, maybe like we were smoking our first cigarette or something, or you know, or some something. You know, you can you listen to it in your basement, and it was a little dank. Yeah, and it was like. Yeah. And and that all is built into stuff when stuff hits our brain um, when we're teenagers, you know, when we're kids and how we build these listening things. And it just so happens for us that this is when this would have hit. Yeah. So I don't think you can erase that. <laughs> I mean, 
And, and 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 that is powerful. That is why one reason I think why a lot of this classic rock persists to this day. Um, there's a lot of reasons. We're going to talk about some more before the end of the year, but but that's one of the reasons. Um, it's just been around longer. So, do you would you put this on par with the post theatrical re release Star Wars, like the original trilogy? Is that sort of how like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I although I, I would, I, yeah, um, I'm, I, I think, and I, I am, and I think people should be more precious about their music. There's, there's too many moving parts in a film for it to really have that distilled personality of the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. It's just too big, um, right? Um, whereas, as an album, you can get that feeling. Oh, this is literally just five or six people, like doing this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or in this case, you know, have strings, so they had a quartet. So, but you, yeah. you you can understand the scale as opposed to something like Infinity War. You, you can't comprehend how many people worked on that. <laughs> right. You know, and 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 so yeah, I, I'm I'm not as precious as it with it. I mean, that that said, you know, I actually didn't mind anything in the Star Wars thing. So he was just like, yeah, that's bad. I see him with Jabba and Han. That's bad. Right. But right. but I remember like it's the whole it's the whole remake versus reboot thing or whatever. It's like the well the original still exists out there. Yeah, although Lucas has tried very hard to. I make mean, sure that I mean, I I enjoy not- both RoboCops. <laughs> 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 and I'm actively trolling Eduardo right now in case anybody doesn't know. <laughs> there is a uh, but <laughs> but they're gonna they're gonna fix the the uh, the remake. So that's yeah that's exciting. yeah yeah. Yeah, so so I mean, it it it, it tends to be, um, it's a different question I think when it comes to, to that. But imagine if somebody like rewrote a book, well, right? And that's what right, I think. Right. It, that's what I think it's closer to. Well, it's th- this to me is way less essential than I went to because um, I just saw that new Coen Brothers thing and I thought, oh, I haven't listened to Mule Variations in a long time. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, let me let me do some Tom Waits. Um, and uh, I was surprised to find that. Um, the like my original mule variations which was uploaded to apple music right when i synced my library is is basically out of print because it's since been remastered yep. there's like a remaster of a 1999 album yep um less than 20 years after its release that that seems way more unnecessary to me to be like no i can't get the original mule variations anymore i have to get whatever yeah. This remaster was. Yeah, that seems that seems more offensive to well, me. Well, and we're not there with the is. Beatles, but yeah. that that is that's my worry, because if if you haven't heard either one, if you don't have, let's remove our bias from it. This is the superior product. It sounds. It sounds. It, it sounds it, glorious. It sounds glorious. Yeah. It sounds like Father John Misty on crack. It does, yeah. It sounds like that's a good comp. It it is. It it's it, anything modern that you take. This was this is miles beyond it using modern techniques. So the modern ear and the ear that doesn't have the benefit of history is gonna like skew towards this. So that does put that in danger, and that's what I don't want because at this point, when we talk about the White Album or any of the even just the mono remasters versus the stereo remasters, the regular ones of the Beatles albums, you're talking about history. Yeah. And that and that's that's important. They compensate for it on this by including a bunch of demos, which is yeah. um, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Demos are like it's a it's a completely different band, and that's actually I think where I got the Father John Misty comp from because it does feel mm. like something that like him and some people would be in the studio doing just dicking around. Yeah. Um, 
Um, so I haven't I haven't listened to all of the demos yet. I've just I've just been stuck on the original album. But but again, I have to say, like, and and to your point, it sounds really good. It's really enjoyable to listen to the White Album sounding this way, except and, for one song. Uh huh. <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about this on actually another podcast that that, that we do. You're going to have a fight with podcast. someone, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um. It was, uh, and, and our, our friend Casey Ray hosted that podcast, brought this up, and then I listened to it, and for reasons that I'll explain later, um, I really can't handle this song in this format. When you hear Helter Skelter on the original White Album, you're like, oh, why did those dummies kill people for like because yeah, of Helter right. Skelter? You're like, that doesn't sound that scary. When you hear it, on, just, just listen to this. Okay, that's about enough of that. I, you know, um, if you ever um, people joke about rock and roll and and, and the dark arts, right? Um, and and that is peeling back the layer to where the veil is super thin. Uh, I don't know where those the the background vocals come from. Yeah, they're, they're not from this dimension or a good dimension. <laughs> um, and and if you if you heard that, and if that's how you experience, like. If that's how you experienced it, uh, like that you like next day, like, hey, Bob went out and killed three people. I don't know why. Yeah. Like I could see start wanting to start a series of murders that would lead to a state of permanent. Uh, was it a race war? That yeah, yeah, was yeah, to yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah, that's what he wanted. Yeah. And um, named Helter Skelter. Yeah. Um, and and so that in and of itself uh, is an interesting now another interesting like statement about history and stuff because. This history was always there. Yeah. But with this song. Yeah. Like that was in, they didn't create anything new for this. So that was always there. So I guess we can be thankful that like, that George didn't, George Martin didn't get it. <laughs> get it quite Cause, right. Cause, Cause there would have been, there would have been way more murdering. Like, what's, in, uh... what's the movie or there's a Stephen King book cell, but what's the movie where like the people hear a signal and then they just start killing people. I was going to say oh. it's, it's the, the happening, but that's, trees <laughs> <laughs> um i have to profess ignorance yeah. um but but yeah no there is there's clearly like um you hear it in that um in that kind of grungy guitar mm-hmm. um there there this song in particular there was a moment where i was just like have i just not been hearing this song right the whole time that's about yeah like is it me or is it or you know was this always in there I, and and to your point i guess it was always in there yeah um but but I hadn't I I just hadn't like perceived all of the ingredients in quite the order uh, that they're placed in here right I just hadn't seen them as clearly and yeah and the yeah. structure of the song was like way more opaque to me until I heard this version it's definitely it's definitely dialed up it's it's like uh, mm-hmm. it's um it, it it might be too much it might be like yeah I I don't even know yeah I I, I will skip this song it's upsetting this yeah. will be the last time I listen to this song <laughs> I, I'm just saying that. 
I mean, good on you, Giles Martin. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't know what you did, but right. uh, but but it is uh, it is that. And I mean, and I say that with recognizing that that's the high point of the remaster. I think. Yeah, uh, I think you, know, you would think Revolution Number Nine is, but nope. No, and there's and I think there's an important point here about like. Um, it's really easy to keep looking backward, right? And mm-hmm. like, and we should, we should, we should enjoy this, and we should. Uh, but, 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 really, like, um, don't be the kind of you know, don't collect all of the Beatles shit. Like, don't be the kind of person yeah. who goes to Beatles conventions and or 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 do if that's what you're really into. But in general, like, there's a bunch of other things you can go experience, and they're going to keep finding ways to like capture some dollars from you over the next yeah, several yeah, decades. Yeah, yeah. And you can, and you can play or not, right? <laughs> or you can sort of like stand by the side and just kind of uh, take some of the stuff that that makes it to streaming. And um, I really, so I really, I really enjoyed going back and listening to the White Album. I think I said that earlier, but yeah, I, I think I think uh, end end of story is like uh, if you can get it on Pono, worth yeah. your while. <laughs> <laughs> worth your while. Uh, otherwise, uh, this is you know um, maybe curiosity just hanging out there. Yeah, a wonderful curiosity, but. But uh, and you know that is a very good segue because you know celebrating like newer things is what we're about to do. Talk about actually, it's one of my favorite albums of the uh, of 2018 and uh, rapidly becoming one of my favorite bands. Uh, so we're gonna take a quick break, come back and talk about Skiffle Players and their new album Skiff. That track is Local Boy. That is off. The yes. album is Skiff. Yes. Not to be confused with Skifflin, which was their previous album. Skifflin was was their previous album. So the, so the next one will presumably be just Ski, because they just keep shaving a few letters off of the end of the word. I think it'll be Anthem of the Sun, S-O-N, oh, but, 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 we're, but we're going to get there. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. Uh, this is a group that made up... It was sort of... It, one-off isn't the right word, but they were all in this sort of heady California dead orbit. Cass McCombs has been out there. He's from Baltimore mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, Neil Casal, who was just actually here upstairs, who's on our Dead to Me podcast, is out there. Also a band, um, Dan Horn, Farmer Dave Schurer, and Aaron Spersky from a band called Beachwood Sparks, which I just, I mean, I knew the components. And Neil is in Beachwood Sparks. So this is essentially, this band is essentially Beachwood Sparks with Neil Casal. I mean, with, with, with Cass McCombs. With Cass McCombs, yeah. which I'm fine with. 
There's a 2012 album, uh, The Tarnished Gold, which is one of my favorite albums of this decade. And it's just, it's a gorgeous fucking album. But this band um, was based on um, uh, kind of improvisation, but, but I mean, they, they wrote songs, but they also were, uh, they were the form. Let's start with that. The form is, is essentially the idea. It's pulling together jazz, blues, country, often like improvised instruments to create uh, almost folky music, but also yeah. like, to celebrate old folk tunes. In this case of this band, um, the instruments are the people. I think because they're, they're they're not they're not like making up like a guitar cello or anything, right? You know, and right. and and the first album was very much just covering the classics, covering the hits. Yeah. The second album's a little bit of a bridge. This one, uh, they all got in and said, "We're going to write a bunch of songs." Um, and Farmer Dave, actually, the quote from this is like, "It's a float down the river of song and attitude, a way of life, an offering." Mm. And it is, um, it is, I think, very distinct from their other albums in that you all of a sudden have this personality that is not. It's very much Beachwood Spark, but <laughs> it, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's something else, and I think the timing of it is very important uh, because of what we have going on in the in their music community. You have the uh, the Grateful Dead call and it quits. Neil did the Circles Around the Sun stuff. Mm-hmm. You have uh, artists in that camp, Bob Weir and Phil Lesh, arguably taking like like end laps, victory laps. Yeah, and going in very specific directions with what they yep. see as you know. I think I think the John the 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 Bobby and John Mayer thing tries to give uh, maybe like a new actually what the what they did yeah. with the White Album. It's a it's a way to try yeah. to recontextualize songs for a new audience maybe. Yep. And then and and so, but the question, like that, I've been asking for a while, uh, and honestly, it's part of the question that drives our podcast dead to me, is what happens now. Um, I'm I would argue that what happens now is that all these like wanky jam bands, all this you know the jam band scene, because I don't consider the Grateful Dead a jam band. Um, mm-hmm. All all this stuff. Uh, has sort of filtered down into what these guys are doing. And what we've seen is is on Skiff is all that crystallized into the direct descendant of what the Grateful Dead was, moving on into a new era. Uh, the core of what made the Dead, in my mind, uh, the greatest American band, it's all here. There's folk, there's improv, there's humor, mm-hmm. there's drugginess, there's... Uh, there is fucking around with the American, just doing yeah. all kinds of stuff uh, that that bands don't think to. They think like, well, if we just do a twelve minute solo, and like that ain't it, man. That could be entertaining, but that wasn't it. Yeah, this this um, this album in particular plays to me almost like a modern working man's dad yep. or something. I mean, that's that's very much the vibe I get from it, and 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 I say that it has very little in common with working man's dead in a lot of respects but something about the feel or the vibe or yeah. like the timbre of the sound um it all combines to have that that kind of that kind of feeling to me um it's it's clearly music that is designed to have um an old timiness about it um and 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 they're doing it in a way that's not kind of artificial or like uh in any way um uh, just sort of like cloying or anything like that. It really does sound like this is a band that you could see 
um, to bring up the Coen Brothers again. This is a band that you could see playing somewhere in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, like a character yeah. could walk in somewhere and this band would be up yeah. on stage and it would make perfect sense yeah. for them to be playing in 1922, you know. In, I, I, uh, I don't in think Tuscaloosa it's old-fashioned, old just old-fashioned. I think it's old-fashioned Western. Yeah, it is. I, it I, is. I, I think that's very much because on this album you have uh, you have Graham Parsons, uh, which is mm. we're going to get to. You have the you birds. Miss, you have Crosby. It's gone. Uh, we, yeah, we have you have Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah, you have like all these things that you can like pick out. But the, the point, the, the cover itself too, is very evocative of a particular time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then you have uh, a song that uh, I, I was informed by my better half. This is a uh, a Top Gear joke. <laughs> I did not know that. I thought it was, uh, but it's but it's an amazing it's an amazing um, it's an amazing bit of writing from from Cass McCombs, and and I think this is probably most indicative of of what you're feeling off of Working Man's Dead. Yeah, yeah. Because the vibe is just it's storytelling. It's storytelling about a time that may or may not be gone, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, it's remarkable. I and mean, it's uh, it's what happens when you go to the law offices of Dewey Cheatham and Howe. That is no different than anything. Uh, if you've been following Cass McCombs' career, uh, he uh, writes a lot about uh, scummy characters, more so than than Steely Dan, Donald Fagan, yeah, and, and yeah. Walter Becker. But but more in the in the in the view of instead of celebrating them, like these guys are these guys are bad dudes here. Yeah, in this song. There's a there's an old timey like labor movement uh-huh. uh, kind yep. of sense about the song too. That's really uh... yeah, and and it, and it you know as something you know when again when we talked to Neil a little inside information, I said, well, how are these? Yeah, how do you make these? He's like, man, we don't we don't even have time to think. Hmm. They just go in. Somebody has the song and they wow. play it and they and and knock it out in a few days. And they and rinse repeat and you keep doing yeah. and that's how this one came together is like nobody had time to basically figure out what classic songs are gonna do, but each of them had some songs to kick around. And what you see in in that song particularly, I think, is the birth of what this band is gonna be. Yeah, I hope, you know, when we talked about the Skifflin album a couple huh? of years ago, I think I think our, our hope was that this this group would get a chance to like uh, gel as a traveling working band and they would have mm-hmm. a you know um, and I don't I, I don't I don't I think they're all really busy so I don't think they yeah. had a chance to do that um, it would be awesome to see them tour it'd be awesome to see them uh, give these songs a chance to kind of like to breathe on yep. stage and um, and it would also be really cool to see I, I, I keep thinking about this album um, I was I was hanging out with my brother last night and uh, 
he's someone who should absolutely know about this group. Yes. And he does not. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he likes, he... he likes Cass. He likes Neil Casal. He likes the entire band. He likes what they're doing. He he knows them from various other dead-related things. He has no idea this album is out there, or he didn't until well, last it's, night. it's because they haven't tied it specifically to the dead. Yeah. They, you know, also when I mentioned that to uh, to Neil, and he, he was like, oh, man, thanks for thanks for saying that. I, I don't even, I, we don't see it. We, we never sat down to think about that. Hmm. And I think that's the beauty, is, yeah. is, that, is that they didn't think about it. They just came, What sort of what we were talking about, how... The white album can get ingrained in you, or old albums like sort of develop, and then, but they ultimately they kind of make you uh, develop your personality in many ways. All these guys have internalized the same music, right? They all have different music that they've done with, but they've all internalized and played with a wide variety of music. That it would come out like this is absolutely no surprise. Yeah, it's it's still it's still confusing to me why you know like 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 there are people who will who will. Uh, make a point of going out to see anyone who's ever played with any member of Fish ever. Yeah. yeah. For example, right? And Mike Gordon shows up on some cast records. Yeah. Um, and um, and yet, cast doesn't really seem to get any kind of a... There's no, like, fish bump for him. No. Um, he really. showed up in a few of, like, Bob Weir's videos from yeah. the studio. And that's the only that's the only way I knew. He was like, oh, shit. Like, he's, yeah. he's in that camp. And then all of a sudden, it makes sense. It's like... Of course, he's in that camp. Yeah, but it's just it's just weird. There, there. I, I think there's I think there's a lot of people who would like this music and they just don't know it exists because some combination of of, of either they're being poorly served by the media they consume or there's something missing on in, in terms of how you get the word about this record out. I mean, there. they don't listen to this podcast, is what you're saying. That's that's correct. <laughs> that is correct. You know, and it's funny because like so this you know, and speaking of Bob Weir, you've got that. You've got like long horns, long necks, long legs. Yeah, uh, songs like that, you know, and and Bob at his <laughs> air quotes best <laughs> was singing about this this mythical character in the West, and not the uh, not not the outlaw guys that that Willie was singing about, but certainly not the rhinestone cowboy uh, that Glenn Campbell was singing about. So, somewhere in between, closer to the more egregious end, <laughs> <laughs> but this this you know splits the difference. And and yeah. and you you feel the the point I think of a lot of Bob's work and a lot of Cass's writing and this a lot of all their work on this is is when when it's appropriate you feel the sleaze yeah right right when you right. feel the dust when it's appropriate you feel the heat yeah um, you also feel a little malaise <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit like oh I should have gone home by now it's well, late what am I still know, doing out. These guys are all out on the West Coast. They don't think they're they're all based nearby Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, but there's a song here called Los Angeles Alleyway that uh, that Cass wrote that Neil sings. Yeah, um, I think it's a little different from the other songs in the album. I was spinning it last night, and I really it really just kind of you know, like it just demanded my attention last night. Yeah, in the way that it yeah. hadn't before. It's a let's let's play a little bit of it and then uh, come back and talk about it. This is Los Angeles Alleyway. Angeles. 
I hear that, and I think of um, I think of Tom Petty. I think, Definitely I, I think Petty. of Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate to say it, I think of Dawes. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, I, think, actually, I think of Dawes. And yeah. and as much as we have joked Dawes on this, those guys are hell of they're hell of songwriters, and specifically like California songwriters. Yeah, they, they have that vibe, and that, that's it's very um, it's just solid. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be pulling together a lot of different, um, there's some of the, um, there's almost like a uh, sort of a Dennis Wilson, a little bit of a vibe in there. Yep. There's there's all the different strains of like Southern California. Um, uh, and that's not even the most Graham Parsons song on there. That's <laughs> right. definitely, um, oh, the third track. You'll miss it when it's gone, I think. Um, yeah. It sounds, sounds like pure Graham Parsons, but... But 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 that gives you a really good idea, I think, of 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 where the band is kind of pulling from and what they're looking toward. And it's this um, uh, clearly um, uh, just um, it's not you know that song is more upbeat, I think, than the rest of the album and more kind of accessible and more poppy. Yeah. Um, but but you hear that sort of like weird little psychedelic countryish guitar kind of mm-hmm. like noodling away in the background. The song structures could be. You know, there's a little sort of like Bruce Springsteen uh, quality to the verse uh, structure there. Um, for, for me, it's it actually just we mythologize places, right? I mythologize places in rock and roll history and stuff, and I certainly have mythologized uh, Laurel Canyon and and mm-hmm. find it my uh, one of my spiritual homes in music, and and it just it feels like that. It's like, it feels like so I know all the stuff that went on back in the '60s and '70s, but I also like hey man, some of those people are still there. And they're still yeah. kicking around, and they're doing this. And this, this, this could just as well be Neil as it is somebody just sitting at the fucking corner store. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it just has the, it just has this effortless quality, and that's and 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 I think a lot of a lot of what and it's true of this album. It's true of Skifflin. There's there's this way in which you know the songs don't seem to be, they just seem to kind of be there, like they just mm-hmm. sort of like emerge. And I think that's the sort of the jammy piece a little bit. They just sort of have something they've been messing around with, and they say, "Okay, well, let's let's make that into a song." Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that the songs aren't well crafted or whatever. They just have this like very natural, loose and easy uh, quality that is really hard to manufacture. Like it has to be there. Yeah, and I wonder if that's that's not like discipline. It certainly was uh, weirdly discipline in the dead. You know, they they took it very seriously. Yeah. It was it wasn't like when it was time to get out, it, you got out there, but but you had to have all the pieces and parts. The old the old adage like you can't break the rules unless you can follow them, right? And right. and you know they did, and I think this is a lot of what skiffle players are doing, and what um, I think what they're gonna we're gonna continue to see them do on future releases as they get the opportunity, like you said, to stretch out. These will stretch out more live, I would imagine. Yeah. So they so they do have they do have tour dates. Is that? I mean, or are w- they... West Coast. Okay. West Coast tour dates. Um, it would be. I mean, like I said, it would be great to see these guys mm-hmm. play a uh, play place medium sized place like five hundred six hundred people, a small theater, yeah, and just get out there and and explore this because not only do they have the catalog themselves now, but their very mission, what they're pulling from, they have the entirety of folk music. Yeah. Right. And jazz and blues and country, so you know they they can they can go in and they can just really build these sets to like create uh, a feeling for an evening uh, in a way that uh, very few bands uh, have ever really done. 
Well, right, because you don't usually get Tin Pan Alley, mountain music, and people wearing like cowboy boots in the same song. Right. <laughs> and that's sort of the, the space they're, inhib- they're, they're, they're inhabiting, I think. Unless you're listening to Lumineers. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not a real thing. No comment. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it is, it's this, um, yeah, you mentioned uh, the song, uh, You Miss It When It's Gone. Um, I think Wham. The, yeah. whole, the whole album is great. It ends on the like the the mission, original mission of the band, Sweet Georgia Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you know, I can't help but think that this whole process, like, it makes me want them to come out with them quicker because I think we're just getting a look inside the, the creative minds of these people and how yeah. they think. And there's no commercial reason for them to do, and I mean, for them there is, but but like you said, people who should know them don't. So it's not yeah. like it's not like anybody except literally me was sitting around going, "Holy shit!" There's a new. I think that's true. I think that's true. Because the second it was announced, I like pre-ordered it, mm-hmm. and it, and I was that, and it was like, yeah, because it's I know it's going to be quality. I know it's going to be unexpected, and and I know it's going to uh, enrich a little more than maybe other stuff I might pick up on. <laughs> <laughs> but my other trash you'll buy just because you. I mean, it, look, it's not going to be better than ZZ Top's Eliminator, but it's it's a second, <laughs> very close second, very close second. Um, yeah, I think it's remarkable. Yeah, I think I think this band is remarkable. I can't. Um, I think that's the bottom line. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I'm 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 not I'm I'm hype on this. I'm not quite as hype as you, but I, I definitely can't. I. Like there's few albums that I can imagine just wanting to put on on kind of like a pleasant, lazy Sunday afternoon. I'm not, uh, dude, I'm not even hype on it, man. I, I'm just like this feels like I've I've known this album for most of my life. Yeah, yeah. And no, as did the EP, as did the first mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a feeling I get off of just like Cass's own stuff. It's not a feeling I get off Circles of the Sun. It's good you point. Know, it is good point. it is just whatever magic these particular group of gentlemen have. Yeah going on uh it is exactly that it's just magic and yeah. uh and yeah so here here so go on let's go out and get it uh we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna finish off this shebang The Skifflin Player Skiff is available everywhere you can find fine music. I don't know how available the uh, LP is, but I'll I'll send out a tweet or something in the show notes to let you know if you can get that. I got my copy. Uh, you know, look, these guys put out an album and I just ordered it, and that's that's what I did. Um, but it's available on all the streaming platforms. It's available up on Bandcamp digitally. Uh, you can get it, and you should. And uh, like you heard us talking. I hope they um hope they get out and uh, and tour this thing around. 
This would be a, a damn fine evening of music at some place. Like, uh, you know, honestly, like the Birchmere here in D.C., small theater like that. You could do it at, like, City Winery. Uh, if you want to get grimy, you could do it at, like, Songbird. Have a, have a bunch of dirty hippies in a basement. Not that these guys are dirty hippies or anything, but I think you catch the vibe. I think you know what this is all about. But, um, but yeah, the album's remarkable, one of my favorite of the year. And uh, so do that. Treat yourself. Before we get out of here this week, I said I was going to play a track for a band called Quiet Water, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, this is a duo from San Francisco featuring Michelle Elliott Rernick, Colin Ingram. Rernick is on cello, and she is, uh, has played with the likes of Nas, Erica Badu, and Adele. And Colin Ingram has played with the Living Legends. And um, when I first heard this, this was something Eduardo actually suggested, and he suggested it right after we finished taping, talking about Skiffle Player. When I first heard it, I was like, you know, this kind of feels like the uh, early 2000s post-punk stuff, uh, like Mogwai. Very, uh, very uh, beautiful instrumental music with a little bit of an edge to it. Obviously, the instrumentation is a little different, but uh, but it's really, really, I, I've fallen in love with this EP. Uh, it's it's just fantastic. It's just four short songs, and um, and I think you're going to fall in love with it too. So I'm going to play a track to sort of lead you down the path. Maybe consider this your meat cute with Quiet Water. Uh, and uh, so let's just get to it. Here's Ice Mountain by Quiet Water.
Ice Mountain by Quiet Water off their debut EP of the same name, the self-titled Quiet Water EP. Uh, I love that track. It is perfect for, you know, it just, DC is no good uh, uh, for a while this time of year because it gets dark and it's still sort of humid and weird out. And now we've gotten into, like, it's dark and it's cold. And it is uh, one of my favorite times in this town. And this this is, uh, or times of the year in this town. And this is, this is... This fits the mood perfectly. Um, so we're going to keep our eye on them. You should too. And uh, and maybe if they come to your town. Maybe they'll come to our town. Maybe they'll come to Milwaukee. I don't know. Maybe I'll just email them. Quiet Water, can I just email you and be like, Hey guys, come play the show. Uh, but at any rate, uh, that is it. That is We Are Out of Here. This is that episode of Chunky Glasses Podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard, tell your friends because that's how, you know, word of mouth is how we've done this for almost 400 episodes and uh, how are we going to continue to do it no matter big or small whatever we do uh, but also leave us a radio or message in iTunes there that's always nice it gives us feedback you can also listen to us in Stitcher Mixcloud Google Play uh, Spotify we're all we're all out there always and our podcast provider Pippa.io if you go there with a few bucks you can uh, you can get your own ideas out there make your own podcast I love these guys. Been with them now for two years, and um, two years and almost a hundred thousand downloads. And uh, and they have uh, they they are exceptional at what they do. And uh, and I do want to say, well, I think you all should go out and and do a, po- a podcast. Is an easy way to get your voice out in the world. If you're a dick, don't do. It. Just just keep it. in. We don't need any more of that right now. We got to get through all this, and then, and then. There's always going to be dicks in the world, so you're out there and you're going to... But just, man, just give us a break. Just hang tight. But anyways, I digress. Uh, Pippa is fantastic, so you can go there and do that. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a few things. We're going to be catching up on some albums we did not talk about that we really needed to talk about. So we're going to be talking about uh, Laura Gibson's Goners next week. Uh, we're also going to be doing some weird shit. Uh, like, for example, uh, sitting Chris Richards down of the Washington Post on my couch and uh, figuring out why the hell he likes Van Halen's dreams of 5150 so much. That's happening, and that's going to be fucking... Him, myself, and uh, Philip Bassnight from from Burke Royals are going to be staging that intervention. And I say it's an intervention, but it's not. We're talking about 5150 because the album fucking rocks! Um, we're going to be doing one last uh, sort of Sounds of DC thing. My friend Paul from Hometown Sounds is going to be coming by. Uh, maybe get a few other special guests for that. Uh, and then uh, I've got, you know, we're making a road trip to Durham for our friend Phil's show at Motorco. He he, uh, he was on here talking about he wanted to do the last thing of tour at, at a church. I don't know for sure if that worked out, but I think this thing at Motorco on December 8th is it. I'll put a link in the show notes. You should meet us down in Durham to see Phil Cook do the goddamn thing. Uh, it's gonna be great, and then um, and then we're gonna sort of wind it up with uh, a few special episodes as we hit episode 400, and then take a break, quick break, but gotta move, and then uh, and we'll be back. Season eight, it'll be all new, it'll be wild. Uh, same cast, new faces, it'll be great. All right, we're gonna talk to you guys next week. Uh, until then, be good to your years, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon.
Kenobi. <laughs> 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 <laughs>